wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I truly understand what it means to be an employee, yet to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, I must transcend and multiply my talents in leaps and bounds. Ah, honestly, exactly what does that look like? Leaving a job or leaving a sought-after career to do a business thing. Let's look at some facts. According to the New York Times, 90% of business startups fail within their first year. And in fact, 42% of business founders cited a lack of demand for their product or service as the main reason for business failure. Seriously, with those statistics, why would anyone start a business? Let's meet someone who is defying the odds and let's travel north to the land of lakes, Minneapolis. Terrence Brown, founder and owner of Swan Associates, is using his past engineering career and love of business to help existing and new business owners soar beyond their wildest dreams. And when a business soars, the money will come. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by our national sponsor, Certified Dream Builder Coach Glass. It's never too late to create the life of your dreams. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. everyone. This is another edition of Interludes. I'm your host, Valerie Johnson. And today I'd like for you to meet a very intelligent, I want to say inspiring young man who has started his own company. It's called Swan Associates. Please welcome Terrence Brown. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Val. I'm just loving the day. The morning has started out great for me and I'm just excited to speak to you and the audience out there. When I've heard about what Swan, Swan Associates does, they literally come in and help people if they've already started their business and help them strategize to do better. That's kind of my overview, but take me through what Swan Associates does for new and small businesses or even larger businesses. Yeah, so I appreciate that question. So what I like to say is that we all need a little bit of help sometimes. <laughs> and so that's where that's where Swan Associates comes in. So uh, what I found working with business owners or working with leaders at large organizations are the core problems that they face are, are pretty much the same. And so what we do at Swan Associates, we come in, we find those things that are causing you the most pain, the most challenge, the most difficulty in getting the necessary and required work done. So everyone in business is looking to deliver value to their customers. All the other stuff outside of delivering value to the customers can get in the way. Our specialty at Swan is finding those things, 
fixing those so the business owners and the business leaders can focus on delighting their customers. When they delight their customers, they achieve distinction in the marketplace. They got a good reputation and more folks come back to do business with them. And the secret to business that I found is that repeat business. It's a long-term relationship, folks coming back after having a great experience with you. And so what Swan does is that we help our clients have great have make sure their clients have great experiences yeah and i think that's most important in business but let me walk it back to the beginning for you when you started out and studied i'm assuming you you, you studied what did you study in school <laughs> oh man uh, engineering systems engineering after a while <laughs> I keep attracting engineers and STEM people to me. I I, I gotta I gotta <laughs> I gotta I, I there's that's something the universe is telling me, which is wonderful. And with studying that, did you want to go into engineering, or were you more focused on the business side of things when you first started out? Yeah. So when I first started out, is very heavily engineering, and I think my I was turned on to engineering at a very early age. So both my parents are engineers. They met at a historically bad college called Prairie View A&M down in Texas. Uh, and then they moved to Minnesota shortly after graduation and mm. soon after I was born. So engineering is um, something I've been around my entire life. I think about my father um, giving me this book. It was about this African-American inventor, engineer, very, very creative guy. You could not put him in a, in a box. His name was uh, Frederick McKinley Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was actually here in Minneapolis for, working for an organization called Thermal Key. Back in the 1920s, uh, 30s, and even into World War II, what he invented was the uh, refrigerated truck. And you think about refrigerated trucking, that made you know the large supermarkets and the ability to get uh, food year round possible. Um, and so he worked very hard, but reading that book as a kid, right? Because it was really directed towards kids, opened my mind up in terms of what an engineer can do. Mm. So take that a couple steps forward. So, right, I like to tinker with things. I found myself as a kid um, playing with Legos like a lot of kids and thinking about how things work, very, very curious. Mm -hmm. um, and where can you apply that sort of curiosity in a little bit of structured way? So that's how I got into thinking about um, computer systems engineering. So really focused on um, computers themselves and how they work and how all the pieces fit together. Um, over time, uh, being in engineering school, which uh, <laughs> engineering school is tough. Um, I've heard. Like, yeah. So we like to joke that all the other majors get to play while we're sitting there working and <laughs> working and working. Uh, and so, right. The first two years of engineering school are pretty much like a straitjacket. You don't get a lot of choices in what you take. And it's a lot of learning um, the fundamentals, especially around the hard science disciplines, the engineering disciplines, and mathematics. So that provides a fundamental base for all engineers. What I found after that, and as I was getting into my core courses within systems engineering, mm -hmm. I was finding the computer itself, fascinating, was kind of limiting. I was thinking about these higher level problems. How do people and organizations work? 
How do their processes come together to form a system to deliver value to a customer? Mm-hmm. How do how does technology play a part in that? So really thinking about these ideas around people, process, and technology. That led me to uh, our systems engineering program, and it's classically known as industrial engineering. So thinking about how the the systems of an organization run together mm-hmm. in a way that produces greater value, maximizing efficiency. So that is that is that bridge. And that's the bridge where I got away from kind of uh, classic uh, systems engineering or classic engineering more towards a lot of folks call systems engineering or management engineering or industrial engineering, which is that bridge between engineering and management. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that's I don't know. That's fascinating to me. And then I feel because your parents were both engineers and you were in that first two years of that tough you said a straight jacket. I got a visual for that. <laughs> Did you ever complain like, I think I chose wrong or can I choose another major? Was that not a choice for you? No, I mean, I, I certainly had choice. So um, another one of my passions was history. Um, so that that was another avenue. But again, when I looked at the folks and I looked particularly at the professors that I enjoyed the most, their type of thinking, I kept kept getting drawn back to that systems engineering approach and that discipline and thinking in terms of systems, mm-hmm. the large scale systems. Um, so that that was the appeal to me. Uh, when it came time to, to make the change from computer systems engineering over to uh, systems engineering or um, industrial engineering, mm-hmm. it, it did create uh, some tension because not all of my courses transferred over. So I had courses like computer architecture and that didn't fit the major. So I, the, I took the course, but didn't get credit for it in terms of uh, my degree. So there was that sacrifice there because I didn't know at the beginning of my coursework of study that that's what I truly wanted to do. And it took exposure to um, a bunch of folks on campus, to professors, to other students to find my fit. Yeah, and I always mention my cousin who I know studied studied aeronautical engineering. Um, He was at Tuskegee and then I think graduated from MIT. But just kind of that, did you feel a bond with other people that looked like you that was in the field? And how did you all you know, help each other survive the straitjacket part and then <laughs> transitioning into what you loved about engineering to stay and say, you know what, I'm going to make that as make a career. Yeah, so I'd say on the front end, right, having parents who were in the field was extremely um, useful because I had the visualization ahead of me and the example that it could work. Yeah. The other thing when I was on campus is that I had the opportunity to participate in groups like the National Society of Black Engineers mm-hmm. and the student chapter at, at RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic, um, in addition to the uh, Black Student Alliance um, and other multicultural alliances. So what we formed in all those organizations were these, these partnerships. We're all in the, the struggle together at a predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. And I mention that because we think of STEM, we think of engineering, Um, especially as these um, very (laughs) hard science, kind of intellectually um, 
engaged subject. And there's a prototype out there that says it was what uh, Mark Zuckerberg looked like, you know, in the early 2000s. So it's a, you know, pasty looking kind of white guy with a, with a hoodie kind of skinny and kind of weird. (laughs) And so you're, when you're in that situation as a person of color, and this is kind of why I think we had, we all had a bond, you know, you're coming against or counter to the narrative. Um, And so even though it's not always said, there can be an attitude or perspective that what you're doing doesn't fit. um, It doesn't belong, that you're not in the right space. Sometimes that's external, but sometimes that's internal as well. And that's how we were able as a group to lift each other up. So I I would say, you know, the community is very important. If I had any advice for um, an engineering student and any college student in general is find a community, find a tribe, let that tribe feed you and hold you up. That's extremely important. And I've been hustling all day. This away, that away. Through canals and alleyways. Just to say, money trees is the perfect place for shade. And that's just how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I'm definitely grateful for the tribes that I had definitely in, in, in undergrad and definitely when I, I transitioned to NYU for grad school because I was, I, I have a master of science. Okay. But, <laughs> but uh, doing 3D animation when I knew that I would be spending 12 to 15 hours in front of a computer animating a hand, a neck or something, I was like, do I really want to do this? Probably not. Mm. So it's always good to just get that exposure. Yeah. Many people during 2020, like like everyone unfortunately faced the pandemic so i've noticed uh kind of the start time for swan came around probably uh, probably before during the pandemic when you were making the decision you know what i'm gonna now go out on my own and what i've learned i'm going to apply and help other people to do that what inspired that transit transition oh man that's a great question Val. So when I think about the pandemic, Swan Associates started at the call the tail end of the pandemic. So it was Q1 of of this year, actually, where I started Swan Associates. What I experienced in a career was being uh, this, what I call a corporate entrepreneurial type of person. So out of school, I fell pretty quickly into um, project management. and created my way as a PM, Um, a PM who can kind of bring a bit of a different perspective to the the game, managing projects and thinking about the systematic approach to it, what we can do to make success happen systematically in a way that connects the small um, parts of our problems, the small deliverables to a bigger goal. Uh, So that was was my thing. Uh, (laughs) And so, doing that and saving a lot of money for big companies I, you know i had to have the opportunity to work for um, one of the largest corporations in america um, and helping their legal team really embrace these concepts of uh, efficiency and effectiveness that you find in disciplines like uh, lean six sigma and um, project management and process improvement so integrating that because legal is really um, based upon that apprentice model 
Uh, so each lawyer has their own sort of system of getting things done. And the job of the uh, associates and the paralegals is to really fit that system that that particular senior lawyer or partner has. <laughs> I, 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 I'm pointing at you because I've worked in those systems and I would definitely yeah. scream when I'm like, uh, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, it worked for me. So it, it does work. And the truth is, right. It does work to some degree. It doesn't scale. It doesn't scale. Uh, so that's a lot of what I was dealing with and helping um, that organization. But again, there's a there was a clear opportunity that I saw four years ago, right? The idea for this came four years ago. And it took a process of, of learning and developing and growing within myself and mm -hmm. seeking out and getting in touch with, with my true inner self to say, what do I really want to do? Mm -hmm. uh, so that that led me, you know, out of the corporate space to a smaller nonprofit here in the Minneapolis area that was really focused on saving lives through uh, transplantation and coordinating transplantations all across the country. Um, and then that led to the uh, the birth of Swan Associate, where taking those tools and those models that have been successful for corporations and leading nonprofits and bringing those all the way to small business owners. Mm -hmm. And in particular, business owners of color, because there is a gap in the resources that the small businesses of color have, their um, ability to gain expertise, especially in the, the consulting space at a affordable price in a way that is not, um, I guess I'll put it this way, judgmental of where they're at. Um, you know, you don't have to be super sophisticated to take advantage of these things and, and make your life a bit easier and put yourself in a position to scale and grow. And so that's where Swan Associates was birthed out of. And I find a lot of people, especially when they have either a product or service that they're very passionate about, they think, okay, let me go and do it. What stopped me a lot of times was doing a business plan. Now I have a question for you. Did you have a business plan in mind or did someone give you mentorship as you created when went forward with Swan? Yeah, I would say there was a, there was a plan, but the most important part was the mentor, mentorship and encouragement. So I have the pleasure of really being surrounded by, you know, great mentors who said, one, you can do it, two, that people want and need this service. Um, and so that made all the difference because oftentimes the key, the key barrier is actually starting and putting yourself out there yeah. and evolving over time and figuring out, right, I got a lot of things in this toolkit, but where, what are the things that get traction? And what are the things that have to wait a little bit until I build that relationship with you? And going along those lines, it was also important to learn about myself as a business owner and taking it beyond business owner as the owner of my own enterprise. And getting that enterprise sort of thinking, I have to think not only for today, but I have to think for forward in terms of the platform that I'm creating for the long term of this organization and how we can benefit other organizations over the long term. Yeah. 
And I was talking to another person earlier this week about their business that they started, and they mentioned a word to me, legacy. Yes. Do you see Swan Associates as a legacy you could leave to your children? Yes. Um, <laughs> so I have uh, three sons. Mm. Um, one, Jordan, he's a high school senior. Mm. And David is in fifth grade and Isaiah is in fourth grade. Um, and they're very important part of what I think about my personal legacy as a father. Mm. Um, and then my wife and I, her name is Maya, we want to leave a joint legacy. And we've been thinking about how do we do that over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and part of that is around this idea of ownership. And so as we began creating and thinking about Swan Associates and putting our plans together, her background is, is, is as a clinical therapist who works with families. Um, and there's an opportunity to also take that sort of thing, just like the consulting that I was doing for large organizations, and create ownership space for that as well. So within SWAN, that's, that's part of what we have. And then finally, to create a platform for my children to come in, and if they have gifts and passions, to have ownership of that as well. The final thing is thinking about legacy from the perspective of community. Mm. From the perspective of community, it's very important that folks like us, you and I, and folks who are listening, are models and examples for the community in owning things and how we give back. And part of giving back is making a choice where we spend our dollars, who we associate with, and how we spend our time. Uh, and all of those things, giving back you know, to the community, volunteering on, um, to be a mentor for, for kids, being and showing up in your community is also a part of that legacy. Wow. And I said that was the final thing, but there's one more thing I just want to say. I don't want to leave out this idea of going even further back in legacy because I'm not here. I don't believe I'm here by mistake. I believe that I was created by a creator who designed me for a specific purpose. And part of that purpose is connected to my, my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, and all of that knowledge, skill, desire that they've had over decades is found within me as well. So I am a living part of their legacy. And that is, you know, how I kind of think completely about this idea of legacy. I am a legacy and I want to create the same legacy, you know, two, three, four generations in the future. Wow. And I think because your parents were engineers and I'm hearing now about your spouse helping you have been in a help helping space for mm. a good long while so that definitely is a, a, a beautiful benefit uh, lastly challenges what have been some of the challenges that you have faced and overcome in being mm. your own business owner in Swan yeah so the challenges I faced I think are challenges that are pretty common uh, mm -hmm. for anyone starting a business or anyone even in their career. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really thinking about what is my value? What do I have to offer to the world? How do I continue to learn, grow, and get better every day? 
So that is the, the question I think all of us have to answer. Who am I? Why am I here? How do I move what I have forward? How do I get better every day? Yeah. I think when starting any type of business, we need to kind of know what direction we're going in. And it's good to know that I, if, I, if I'm a business owner, I can reach out to a Terrence and say, hey, I actually like to scale up. It's just been me and my best friend, or it's only been me and my spouse, <laughs> or it's only been me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I want to scale up because I had a very uncomfortable conversation with my tax, um, my tax, um, my, I'm sorry, the person that's doing my taxes, and they they misconstrued a number and I, I was embarrassed to say, no, I only made this amount of money. And I was like, why am I embarrassed to say that's all I made? And I said, you know what? I, I, I would need help. So if someone needed help, if someone wanted to know more about what Swan can do for them, where would they go? Yes. <laughs> so where, where you want to go? Um, and I'm going to extend this to all of the listeners online. I want to connect with you. I'd love to have a conversation with you. So what you can do is you can go ahead and text me directly at 612-900-3720. Let me know that you listen to the podcast and we can have a conversation for about 15 minutes. What we'll do is find out where you are, what challenges that you have, and some of the solutions that have been tried and true that can bring a little bit of light to your situation, bring you a little bit more success and get you on that path to success and excellence as you grow and scale. Wonderful, wonderful. Terrence Brown, thank you so much for joining me on today, brother. <laughs> thank you, Val. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. To hear more about how Terrence Brown is using his passion for history to generate scholarships, please visit the Interludes YouTube channel. Next time on Interludes. And all of these plans um, connect to different things that the community needs, whether it's housing, workforce development, economic development, all of those things are touched by these variety of plans. I want to do something where I can see the impact, where I can see my efforts being put forth. Um, I'm proud to say that about 80% or more of our staff live locally. We're giving thanks with Claritian Associates Executive Director, Angela Herlock on the next Interludes. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. 
Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. Brought to you by our national sponsor, Certified Dream Builder Coach Glass. It's never too late to create the life of your dreams. To book your free dream assessment, please visit the website coachglass.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-G-L-A-C-E.com. When you book your appointment with Coach Glass, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. Media.